Hi, my name's Adam, and this is the Foster Adoption Podcast, a resource for people who are interested in growing their family by adopting children from foster care. I woke up this morning to laughter and hugs from two little boys saying, Good morning, Papa. Can you make our breakfast, please? They're literally a dream come true. A year ago today, we received a phone call that changed our lives forever. It concluded the most bizarre time of our lives, the time when we would stare at the phone waiting for it to ring with the news of the fate of our future. This is the episode I've always been excited to do because I could never really get my head around the bizarre notion that the phone was going to ring one day with the news of this magnitude. So I always craved other people's stories about their waiting period, and now one year later, I'm excited to share our story. There are basically two ways that children can come into your home. One is through Placement Recruitment Unit, or PRU. This is where they have a child or children who fit your profile, and they think you may be a good match, so they call your agency adoption worker and tell them about the kids, and then your worker calls you and you ask a million questions, and you decide if you're interested, and then They have this transition period where you're able to meet the kids and see if it's a good fit for everyone. This process doesn't give me anxiety. This sounded really manageable. I could get my head around this process. Then there were the emergency placements. This is where something happens that generates an immediate need for placement for children. And they call and say, we have children who fit your profile. Here's a story we need to know in the next 10 minutes. While these stories are a little less frequent for people who want to adopt as opposed to just foster, they still happen, and these are the stories that jump around in our heads a lot. Years ago, I would never forget this, Matt and I were on an evening target run, and we ran into a friend who was going through the process. We asked her if she was okay because she looked like she had just encountered a ghost, and she said, I'm picking up diapers because I'm meeting my baby tonight. My head exploded. Also, one of the blogs that I was obsessed with when we were going through the process was called Someone Just Gave Us Two Kids. It's called that because right after this couple became certified, they got a call that described two siblings who fit their profile, and they said, we need a decision right now. They said yes, and the social worker came over and dropped off the kids. These were the stories that were ever present in my mind. Not in a bad way, because in many ways these are the stories where something happened that made it clear that the birth parents were not in a situation to reunify at all, and therefore it would be a quicker process which can be good for the kids and the adoptive family. These were the stories that were ever present in my mind because every time someone said, hey, do you want to have dinner on Thursday? We would say, yes, unless we have kids by then. My job must have just loved me. I said, so I could go on paternity leave anytime, as in right now or a year from now. It was horribly inconvenient for normal life planning. We had a Thanksgiving trip to visit family scheduled, which gave me so much anxiety because what if we got the call while we were out of state? What happens? Do we still have a chance at the kids? The agency would laugh at us and say, Stop worrying so much. When it happens, it happens. Easy for them to say. 
But when I stopped and thought about it, it really did blow my mind. There is nothing more bizarre than waiting for a fateful phone call that will change all of our lives forever. I was basically a crazy person. Our profile was two siblings between age two and five. And my Google searches were seriously things like, what do four-year-olds look like? I desperately wanted to picture what our children would look like and what they would be like. We had spent so much time in training learning about reactive attachment disorder and the circumstances that bring children into foster care, so I found myself googling what impact various drugs have on babies when taken in utero to see what behaviors we could handle and which ones we couldn't. I was out of control with my googling. Then something amazing happened. Our good friend Nicole invited us to lunch to have us meet her new friends, a gay couple who was in the process of adopting two brothers. We were shocked by the invite because we were really tight-lipped about our process and our friend didn't know yet that we were doing this. So we went to lunch and we were able to witness the future that we had been dreaming of in reality. We walked into their beautiful home and saw two perfect young gentlemen, ages four and six. They were polite and well-behaved and had great personalities, and they were the real-life version of everything we were hoping would be possible. A lot of this was because their dads are just amazing. Like, they should be on the cover of a parenting magazine kind of amazing. The fact that Robbie and David were just such a powerful example for what was possible was only the beginning of how serendipitous this day was, though. We live in a very large metropolis with tons of agencies and millions of social workers. We found out that we not only had the same agency, but we had the same social worker too. It was insanity. They were such a shot of adrenaline for us. We now knew that our dreams could become a reality. We just needed the phone to ring. The adoption workers spend a lot of time prepping you on how to make your decisions because they know how easy it is to just answer the phone and yell, yes, 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 whatever it is, yes. They work with you to develop a list of placement questions and to have it with you at all times for when the call comes. So you can just calmly go down your list of questions. When you are building your profile, you have to make some tough decisions. They go down a list of things you are willing to accept in a placement. These range from family history of schizophrenia to born with drugs in their system to a history of sexual abuse. Going into the process, I thought for sure we would just say a blanket yes to all questions, but they really go through the realities and they force you to imagine what you want your life to look like because if you say you are willing to accept something that will be unmanageable for you, you are doing a disservice to the child. They really press the fact that Everyone has a different profile, so by not taking a child, it doesn't mean that no one will adopt them. It means that they don't fit your profile, but they fit someone else's. We ended up saying no quite a bit on that list. The great thing is that our agency had no judgment. They want you to have a situation that will be beneficial for you and the children. So honesty is required from all parties. You also build in the ages and races of children in your profile. This is not as easy as it sounds. Going in, we thought for sure we wouldn't put any restrictions down on race. I'm white and Matt is half Mexican, half white. I thought we would accept any race and not even look at it. 
but they do a great job of teaching you about transracial adoption and that you need to be cognizant of various items. We live in an area that is predominantly Latino and Asian. There are very few African-American families in our neighborhood. Our children would already be going through a lot. We would need to think long and hard if we wanted them to be at a school and be in a life where there weren't a lot of people who looked like them around. In terms of age, when we started, I wanted babies and Matt wanted older children. We settled on two to five, but as we learned, they will still call you with a variety of different ages. When the phone rings, it is really, really hard to say no. You worry if this is the only call you will ever receive. It isn't. Sadly, there are a lot of children in need. The phone will ring again. A few days after we were certified, the phone rang while we were watching TV, and the name of our adoption worker was on my phone. Our hearts started beating out of our chests, and we frantically answered. She was just calling to go through our profile with some clarification questions. She did actually have a potential placement, but it didn't really fit our profile. She still explained it to us, and we said no. It was a good experience to go through the motions of saying no when it wasn't right. Then, the phone didn't ring for a while. I was still a crazy person about having my phone by my side. I wouldn't turn it off in movie theaters. If I was going into an important meeting, I would write our adoption worker to let her know to text me if anything came up in the next hour. When we were getting ready to go away for Thanksgiving, we sent the times that we would be on the plane and unavailable by phone so they would know to call us as soon as we landed. And actually, that morning that we left for Thanksgiving, the phone rang and it was our worker. She was hesitant in her voice and she knew it was going to be a long shot, but we, she wanted to run a possibility by us. There was a two-year-old and a three-year-old, a boy and a girl, with a 14-year-old sister who didn't want to be adopted. She wanted to go back to her birth mom, which doesn't look like it would be possible. The mom wanted all three to be adopted together, but that didn't seem possible either. So they were trying to match the two youngest before the, their next court date. I said we're not allowed to take a boy and a girl because we only have the one room. Uh, she said we would be able to because they're under five and the adoption would go through before they turn five. I said we're committed to having two of the same gender because we're not planning on moving ever and they will always be sharing a room. So I didn't think it was a good situation for us and she thanked us for our consideration. Again, it was good to have the experience of saying no and our worker not putting any pressure on us to do anything different. So we went away for Thanksgiving and my obsessiveness with checking my phone started to fade a little bit over the next couple weeks. Then, December 5th, exactly one year ago today, from this moment really, I sat in a coffee shop working and the phone rang. It had our agency worker's name on it. A calm came over me. Something in my heart knew that this was it. I answered and asked how she was, and she said, I'm well, how are you? I replied, well, I'll tell you in a few minutes. She chuckled and said, okay, I have a situation, and I don't have a lot of information, but I think it could be of interest. And then she told the following story, and I typed it as fast as I possibly could. I did my best to remain calm and even, even keeled, 
and go down my list of questions to get all of the information possible to make a good decision. And as she spoke, I fell more and more in love with everything she was saying. Two boys, aged three and five, perfectly healthy. She detailed all aspects of their court situation and a little bit about what they endured and where they were in the process. Nothing she said was a deal breaker at all. She needed to know if we were interested so she could call the county back. They were in the placement recruitment unit, so it wasn't going to be a situation where they came over that day. We would need to wait for a series of social worker meetings and a court date and um, a transition period to see if they would be on the path to adoption still. But they still needed an answer soon if we wanted to enter into a match with these boys. I asked for a few minutes to talk to Matt, and she said, of course. So Matt is a teacher. He isn't reachable by cell phone during work hours. This was lunchtime, though, so I was hoping I would be able to get a hold of him. He did not answer his phone, which was not unusual. I proceeded to call every other teacher at the school until I found someone who was at lunch with him. After several calls, I finally found someone and they handed the phone to him. In my best impression of a calm human being, I read him everything that I had typed verbatim. He calmly did not see any red flags either, and we called back and entered into a match with our boys. This was just the first of a million steps. Oh, but it was a step that I will always cherish every second of. Sometimes I just go back and read the transcript of that call just to see what we knew then and what we know now and how things compare. Every part of our training had taught us all of the things that could happen to disrupt the adoption. But the first time that I heard our boys' names, my gut knew that they were already our family. That day, I wrote the following message to the, to the boys in my journal. We found out you exist today. Our hearts ache at the circumstances that will bring you into our lives and that anyone in the foster system arrives there due to trauma. However, we hope to do everything possible to ease your pain and enrich your lives and show you unabashed happiness and love. Whenever I see little kids, I wonder if that is what you look like, what you will act like. I close my eyes and try to envision you and what will make you happy, what your dreams will be. We can't wait to love you, to do everything we can to give you happiness, to help you find your path in life. That is the story of our phone call. The best phone call I've ever received. And I'd love to hear the story of your phone call or the questions that you have about the process. Please visit fosteradoption.org or leave a review on iTunes. Thank you very much for listening. (laughs) 